welcome to the Learning Through Grace podcast. I'm Derek. I'm Tyler. And I'm Alan. This week we're going to be looking at the parable of the lost son. Uh, if you want to follow along, we'll be looking in Luke chapter 15, 11 through the end of the chapter. Uh, just kind of talking about some of the high points of the story and kind of where we feel like we fit in it. So to paraphrase, I guess I can start us off by just kind of paraphrasing the story for those that may not be as familiar. Basically, we have this dad who owns a lot of land, is fairly wealthy, uh, has two sons, and one of them says, hey, I want my inheritance early. And the father says, sure, I'll give it to you. Um, After some back and forth, makes his brother, who is staying and working, upset. But the son takes his inheritance, goes out into the world, and basically wasted away on sinful things is basically what the story kind of insinuates. Um, gambling and different things that we read through the story to the point that he goes broke. He spends every dime that he got from his father's inheritance uh, and then finds himself in a pig stall at one point eating the slop that the pigs are eating is how it's described in the story um, in Luke. And then eventually realizes, hey, even the servants in my father's house are eating better and are served better than I am. So he decides, I'm going to go home, go back to my father's house and just beg for a place to work for him. Beg to be taken back as just an employee, basically. But when he gets there, we see a different story unfold. Not only is his father there and waiting, uh, I think my father would probably be waiting, ready to beat me, but his father's there waiting with open arms. And instead of chastising him or scolding him, hugs him, gives him a kiss, and throws a giant party for him. The brother is obviously not very happy. The brother's upset that they're killing, quote, the fatted calf and putting the rings on his brother's hand, who, in his eyes, did the wrong thing. He took the inheritance, went and wasted it, and now is coming back and wanting more from his father. So I was studying this recently, and obviously it's a parable from Jesus meant to teach us something. Uh, I was curious, though, where do you guys think we fit in? So the parables are told to tell us different stories and stuff, and normally you can find a way where you fit into the story in some capacity. I'm curious where you guys think we are supposed to fit in in this story. I think for myself, I fit in with the the older brother who, because, um, you know, even in college, I didn't really you know, go off and was wild, you know, I was always kind of like in the church and um, working in the church, singing and all those other things that are involved with that. So I kind of identify with the older son because I never really had like a, a, a crazy moment in life. What about you, Tyler? Um, I think I see it as... I would take myself in it and I would put myself as the younger brother. Um, I think that I did have a few times in college where I did things I probably shouldn't have. Um, I was not always as faithful to church as I should have, but that's the whole purpose of the story, right? Is that even though you, I didn't do anything crazy, you know, but I didn't go to church when I was supposed to, or if I was there, I was not there for the right reason. And then when you, come back it's such a more welcoming experience you know christ welcomes you even if you're gone for 15 years which i wasn't but even if you were when you come back he's there at open arms he's there to receive you back even if you do something terrible so um i would put myself as the the younger person who did the younger son who did waste away my inheritance but i probably was not as faithful as it should have been. So. Yeah. When I read it, I, I th- can see different points in my life where I think I can associate with all three main characters, I agree. Um, which is one yeah. thing I think is cool about this parable. Um, is there are different times where I think, Hey, I've been there. 
I am there or I could be there. Like I, all three main positions. And that's kind of what I want to break down. It's like, for me, I see that. So what does that mean? All three things I think teach us something differently. So starting with the prodigal son, what do you guys see there? How do you see that applying in 2023 to us in our lives nowadays? Like if you are the, the lost son that returns, what's the story there for us? That no matter what you did, Christ is willing to forgive and you're able to just get plugged back into the, to the family of God. Uh, I absolutely agree, Alan. I really do believe that no matter, no matter what you do, every sin is created equal. No matter what happens, Christ is going to love us and he's going to accept us back. And I think for kind of transitioning into that, the older brother, you know, that's hard. It's hard for humans. I mean, it's hard for me. Um, I mean, I've, I've had some people in my life, I'm not going to name names, but they did something terrible, you know, and it's really hard. It was really hard for me to understand that when they came back, that we were supposed to love them as, as, as if nothing happened. Like we we're supposed to love, love them as we're Christ. And you know, that's, that's hard for humans to do. And I think that's hard. It was hard for me. Um, eventually I understood, you know, why we need to love this person. They need our love to, they needed our love to welcome them back. So to be accepted. So. Alan, you, I think you put it well with Christ is there waiting to accept us. Is it a one-way thing? What do you mean? So in the story, the prodigal son goes off and does everything. Does the father, Christ, in this situation, go out and follow him into the city, like trying to drag him back? No. And I think that's an important part of the story that, in my opinion, at least I've missed at times, right? Is, yes, Christ is there waiting, but like he has to, like, he has to realize he's in that place, right? He has to get to that lowest of lows in the pigsty, or you can fill in the blank in your own life what that situation may be. But he has to get to that point to realize what he had. And then he's the one that makes the initiative to walk back. He's the one that starts that, that journey. Christ is there ready and waiting the whole time, but he has to be the one to initiate it. And I think that's really interesting. I, I never really thought of that until you talked about it, because there's certainly other stories in the Bible where it's the opposite. Christ is pursuing these people. We see Saul on the road and Jesus shows up because maybe that's what Jesus knew he needed. Mm -hmm. Whereas this situation is different. Christ knows if I just need to leave you alone and eventually you're going to hit rock bottom and you're going to look up and the only thing looking back down at you is me and you're going to start crawling back to me. So it kind of shows the genius of the father and of Christ that he kind of knows what each individual needs to eventually come to him. Yeah, and then Tyler, you, you kind of transition in the next part, but the the brother that's at home the whole time, um, definitely been there. And it's a tough situation. And I, I think it's something that's interesting that this story is as important in that time as it is now. Um, I think it was almost more important on a, on a grand scale when he was saying it than they realized. Because when you look at like post-Christ, a lot of the New Testament deals with some of the old Pharisees and some of the people that were Jews looking at these Gentiles that just got brought in and Christ is saying, Hey, the Gentiles are just as good as the Jews now. 
And they're sitting there going, but wait, I've held the Sabbath. I've been circumcised. I've followed these rules. I followed those laws. Surely they have to do those things to be as good and to earn the same thing. But is that what we see as Christ's response or even just the apostles' response? No, not at all. No. I mean, uh, we talked about in class earlier. I mean, most of Galatians, Paul is writing to basically bury that idea that belief is all that matters. Belief in Christ should be good enough. Circumcision doesn't matter. All these other things. Um, So holding each other to this ideal is just isn't right. It's not a good place to say that you can agree with, but I think it's a natural place of, you know what this person did. I think of like the movie, like I know what you did last summer, but like that person shows up to church and you see him like up front leading a song or a prayer or whatever. You're like, man, I know what you were doing last Friday night, but like, I think that's the same reaction this brother's having, right? Is I know what you did. Who are you to be in this situation? Right. And that's an interesting point because if we were to decide if we were going to serve in the church or lead a class in church, lead a song in church or, or preach or whatever, none of us would be worthy to go up there and to serve in that manner. But this story reminds us that it doesn't matter what you've done, Christ's grace covers all sin. And even though you were a certain way, now you're a completely changed being. You are credited with his righteousness, as the scripture says. So this story is just such a great reminder that even if your face is in that pig trough at one point in your life and you're eating the slop that the pigs were eating, Christ can redeem you from that and he can pull you out from the trough. And just what a wonderful gift that Christ just freely gives to us. I think that is just, I mean, it's so comforting to know, you know, I mean, it's, it's so comforting and so, I don't even know if words describe it, that kind of like you, we talked in class this morning, you know, when we go off and do something that's sinful and we know that it's sinful, I think that it's just so important that we that we take and we learn from our mistakes. You know, that we, if I know that I did X, Y, and Z over here and I have asked for forgiveness and I know that that is wrong, I do not need to go back and keep doing it. However, if I do, God is always there willing to accept it. You know, even though I am knowing doing wrong, I just think that it is... Um, it's just comforting to know that he that he's there to welcome yeah, it reminds me of, uh, I forget which chapter. My wife would know exactly which chapter in Matthew, because it's in the Sermon of the Mount, so it's, it's either in chapter 5 or 6, where Christ is talking about worrying, and he says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about itself. And we can kind of apply that idea to this, because especially when we're talking about thinking of past sin and past um, guilt that we have, you know, if Christ doesn't want me to worry about tomorrow— how much more does he want me to not worry about yesterday and the problems of yesterday and the sins I committed yesterday? Let's be present in the now and make sure that we're trying to glorify the Lord in our um, decisions and the things that we do now. I think part of the warning with the brother, too, is to not be too legalistic in your view of things, right? Like the brother has a very black and white view of what's right and wrong and what constitutes that. But that leaves no room for grace. That leaves no room for love, right? And that's, I think, one of the biggest issues for the brother is like, he's like, oh, you did wrong. We're done. Like, 
you wronged us, there's no redemption, there's no path back, which is the opposite of what Christ teaches, like the entire New Testament, his entire time here. Um, I think that's one of just the biggest warnings is we can get caught in that very easily of, hey, I'm better than you because I did this, but that leaves no room for Christ's grace. Like that leaves no room for his love, like you're saying, Tyler, like that comfort that it, it just pushes that out of the conversation. I mean, I'm going to look at it from the dad's perspective here, the father's perspective um, in this story. You know, he's representing Christ. and But as a dad, like I think of my kids. You know, if if one of my kids went off and spent money, went away and did stuff they should not have done, no matter what, I'm going to welcome them back. You know, I mean, that's the part of being a parent is you don't ever want to, like, exile your children. So to me, seeing this story or this parable, it hits home because, like, I have two kids. You know, I don't have two two sons. I have a son and a daughter. But if my daughter goes off and does stuff she shouldn't do and she comes back, I hope that, for one, I've trained my oldest son to welcome her back or vice versa. You know, if my son goes off, I hope that I've well, I have taught my daughter well enough to accept him back. And as a dad and as a parent, that's something that I feel like I always, uh, will, will do. I'll always welcome them back no matter, no matter what they've done. And that's the same story that Christ does for us, you know, and sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me as a, human to understand, you know, because I'm not perfect. I do things that every day that I think, man, I am an idiot. Why did I do that? You know, but why did I say those words? Why did I look at that? Like, why did I think about that? Like, there's just so many things that go through my head that I think, like Alan said, if, if I, if I were to think I am not worthy enough, I mean, everyone would not be worthy enough because we all sin every day. And I think it's so, I don't know, it's so thoughtful and it's so, it's just thoughts that go through my head about what the church would have no leaders, you know, because everyone sins. If we all just thought, well, I sin, I can't do anything. So. Yeah, no, totally, I mean, Paul was Saul. I mean, right, exactly. Paul was, I think the poster boy for you can do bad things and still be used for God's good in the end. So, I think it's a great point. Yeah. I don't have any other thoughts. I just, I think this is one of my favorite parables just because I think every time you read it, you can find yourself in a different part of the story and gather something new from it. There's a proverb that kind of goes along with this, and it's one we, we know of really well. Train up a child in the way he should go. So when he is older, he will not depart from it. And in this instance, the father had to wait for his son to get a little older. And so I, I can think of a lot of adults who, who maybe their children have kind of gone astray. And, you know, the Word of God says, you know, if you've planted that seed in them, give the Lord time to let it grow. And hopefully, Lord willing, they'll return. And when they return, guess who's going to be there waiting for them? It's going to be King Jesus with his arms wide open, ready to accept them back into the kingdom. So just wonder what a wonderful and mighty God that we serve. Absolutely. I don't have anything. Well, thanks for listening to Learning Through Grace podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. If you have any questions, comments, anything, let us know on socials. Uh, Learning Through Grace podcast on all socials and on all podcast websites. (music) 